Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. Uh, so if you listen to the show often, you might remember a few weeks ago, um, we talked about cloud and connectivity uh, with a couple of my colleagues on different episodes, um, Eric Kreifeld and Patrick Christian. Eric and I talked about uh, middle mile connectivity options, which usually boils down in some way to how you are connecting to the cloud. Uh, then Patrick and I talked about the landscape of data center providers and how to best match that with your CSP networks. And by that, I mean cloud service provider. People often think connectivity. but And then uh, network service provider, NSP, in case I say it that way again. Um, so today we're going to pull back maybe a little bit from that and, and hear what that ecosystem looks like from the insider perspective from a data center provider, uh, but with more of a view toward how that whole market has developed. So specifically, I want to talk about network as a service, kind of what models are out there, uh, multi-cloud connectivity, data center interconnectivity, and, and how all of these topics intersect. So I have, I think, the perfect guest to help me with that. Uh, I want to welcome to the podcast, Christian Koch. Welcome, Christian. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. We've been meaning to do this for, for such a long time. It feels great to finally get here. Right? So, yeah. so Christian is currently the Senior Director of Interconnection uh, at DataBank. Um, and as many of you listening might know, is the co-founder of uh, the Ninog group and has a popular weekly internet infrastructure newsletter. Um, he comes from a lot of previous roles in networking and a bunch of, of companies that I think most of our listeners here would recognize. Um, and Christian, I just thought it would be useful given that diverse background that you have, if you could give us a quick rundown uh, of that background and then uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're up to at your latest gig here at uh, DataBank. Yeah, thanks, Greg. And, you know, a little bit about my background. So I spent about 20 years in the industry collectively, uh, most of that, uh, or about a dozen of that, uh, a dozen of those years spent as a network engineer or systems engineer, mm. working on technical infrastructure, you know, from hyperscalers like Microsoft, uh, Twitter, uh, to, you know, data center operators, as well as fiber carriers. Uh, for the last, you know, maybe eight years I've spent uh, on the business side, working on planning and strategy and most recently product. Um, interconnection is, you know, one of the key enablers inside of a data center. Uh, that is kind of my focus, but really is, uh, you know, networking as a whole. Right. So you've kind of dabbled in all sides, both in terms of of the the engineering and the business side, uh, but then also in terms of of all of the sort of different aspects of of the the wholesale transport network from from carriers and and others uh, that that don't fit neatly in the carrier category to to now on the the data center side. So. It's it's interesting to me that data centers are are um, you know at one time was kind of like a, a real estate proposition and, and a lot of them are still real estate companies but really they're like mini telcos now in, in a in a great sense is that is that kind of your perspective? Well, I mean that's an interesting way to look at it, and I think you know what we've seen over time is you know data centers have evolved to really meet the needs of their customers and mm -hmm. there's a few things that go into this you know right and uh, interconnection is kind of one of the key things right does uh you know businesses move to the cloud and you know 
move to new consumption models and new operating models, um, you know, the rest of of the infrastructure kind of had to come along with it. So it was kind of a natural path that, you know, things like CrossConnect started moving to virtual CrossConnects, at least being augmented that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that what we're seeing is, like I said, it's a natural evolution that we're seeing. And, you know, some data centers will remain, uh, you know, pretty narrow and focused with, you know, that, that core real estate background. And then you'll see mm-hmm. some that are really turning it to technology companies and right. you know, offering right. services that their customers demand. And, you know, one of the big things that we see with enterprise, and you see this is kind of, you know, subsequently following, you know, what they look for and want in a cloud provider. Um, and I like to look and I say, you know what, the, the, the data center is the fifth cloud. Right, you've got mm-hmm. your you've got your big clouds, you've got your SaaS apps, you've got your private cloud. The data center is evolving to really become adjacent to the cloud and deliver that same experience to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Which which actually sets us up, I think, uh, for for the, the the key topic here. So so I, I want to f- start out kind of by defining terms, um, as I think it will be helpful to listeners um, and and certainly to me since I have a veritable expert on the topic here with us today. But, you know, like so many things in telecom, uh, sometimes exactly what you mean by a particular term depends on whose mouth it is coming out of, right? But um, a lot of folks have been throwing around network as a service, sometimes from from the carrier perspective, sometimes from managed services kind of perspective. Um, what what? How would you line up kind of the various models um, uh, in the marketplace uh, for network as a service? And um, and then maybe what do you mean uh, specifically from from the the data center provider perspective as well? Yeah, it's a great great question, Greg. And you make a very good point that you know you know terms kind of come to fruition and they have plenty of different meanings. And this is exactly yes. what happened with network as a service, right? I mean, I see mm-hmm. some companies, you know, in their product marketing uh, call you know, themselves a network as a service provider, but they're really just doing security and there really is no network. Right. So it's something that's evolving um, and it's going to continue to evolve, right? So, you know, the way I think about it, at least my early, earliest experiences with it are virtualizing network services. And that's, you know, the virtual cross connect, right? You know, mm-hmm. the connectivity product that gets you from point A to point Z. And that may be within the data center and that may be between data centers or it may be between a data center and an on-prem location such as a, you know, corporate office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got that, that flavor. And then I think also we have folks, you know, really coming out with the SD-WAN and SASE products that are also leveraging the network as a service language. Um, right. And so you take it a step further and then you've even got folks on a wireless side who are, you know, considering calling network slicing, you know, when it comes to 5G and mobile networks, also network as a service. So uh, it, it is getting pretty confusing as is a lot of, you know, as I'm sure you know, as is a lot of the WAN market and technologies yeah. that are coming out. Yeah, you know, the, the what's particularly interesting to me is, you know, uh, you know telegeography well. Um, we're really kind of laser beam focused on layers one, two, and three, right? So it's all about transport. And so, so, so for me, wrapping my head around sort of the concept of network as a service is that in the end, there are wires somewhere 
and someone owns lit service on those wires, right? Um, so, so how you know whatever whatever sort of um, uh, just in time kind of provisioning or whatever you're putting on top of that, ultimately someone has bandwidth provision between, like you said, whatever the point A and, and point uh, B are, right? So, um, uh, so, so, so what is what is the sort of at as a service part? Is it is it really just the the commercial presentation? Is it um, leveraging SDN? How, how do you think of it from that sense? Yeah, I think so. I think that part's quite simple, right? And, um, you know, to even build on your point is, you know, MPLS could actually be considered network as a service, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it is a network that a carrier, you know, builds for a customer and, you know, it can go from a couple locations to a couple hundred locations. Um, right. Well, going on to your point, you know, um, I think as a service really is about the economics and the operating model, right? So it's right. about aligning to the cloud computing uh service delivery mm -hmm. and the commercial component right so pay for what you use consumption based pricing and deliver it uh on demand as soon as right. you know you click a button or make an api call so that's really i think what sets it apart and makes it a more modern network service yeah, which which is always easier for me to envision uh, functionally, sort of data center to data center or data center to you know sort of uh, CSP or, or whatever the case may be. But it's it's much harder to envision to the corporate premises because you know of course there's a mesh of 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 wires connecting all the data centers. There's usually not a mesh of wires connecting the corporate premises to that first stop, that first colo aggregation point, whatever that may be. Um, so, so I've always taken it that that the the network as a service primarily is about um, somewhere in one of those clouds that you mentioned, rather than getting to the corporate office. Um, but but you're suggesting that there's also an aspect of this getting you all the way to to the premises as well. Yeah, abs absolutely. And there's a couple um, providers out there who have really uh, done a good job at, at building a, a portfolio of on that buildings out. You know, Unitas is one of them, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, they've went out and, you know, they've basically connected, um, you know, last mile providers, uh, you know, via likely Ethernet NNIs to their network. And, you know, right. all of these carriers do have, you know, semi-automated or maybe even fully automated provisioning processes because the NNI and the whole Ethernet network thing has been around for quite a while. So mm -hmm. they went and, and, and done this and they've actually put, you know, I, I think it's like over 100,000 locations um, onto right. that network. So, you know, it's there, right? And it, it, it's becoming a little bit more popular. Um, mm -hmm. But outside of that, there, you know, if you think about it, you can go into the SD-WAN stuff and that also is really kind of a component of it. And it's just, yeah. you know, uh, automatically provisioning and, you know, uh, managing performance and security and policy over your internet connection or MPLS connection that's already there. So the, the addition of software is really what we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that software, uh, you know, we're usually thinking of SD-WAN as kind of like managing traffic from the, from the court, from the corporate premises out. Right. But there is an aspect of it of like handling OSS, BSS kind of stuff at the, at the carrier side, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's, you know, with the proliferation of cloud, you know, the SD-WAN thing has become a lot more than just managing performance, right? It's been, mm -hmm. you know, how do I connect, you know, my corporate users and employees, you know, 
uh, to the clouds, which falls into the performance thing, right? Let's get that private connectivity. It's still going over the internet, but you know they've got these algorithms and software overlay that they built to manage that performance a little bit better. Um, however, still on the remote end, they're getting that direct connection to the cloud, and we're seeing new products come out now that are you know, built primarily on software, which is kind of like a software client you throw, you know, or maybe it's an integration with, you know, a traditional SD-WAN vendor. uh, And that will bring them access to the data center ecosystems and all of the cloud providers. Right. Especially when it's, when it's integrated into that service that I kind of already have running, had already been looking into or whatever, rather than multiplying vendors. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, uh, we we talk a lot on this show. Of course, it's the WAN Manager podcast. Things get laser beam focused on the WAN. We we talk a lot about SD WAN and and its impact on kind of freeing the enterprise from having maybe one or two MPLS providers to instead you know sourcing the underlay um, across a bunch of different products, maybe across a bunch of different um, vendors. Um, when thinking about this ahead of time, it kind of struck me that, that there's, there's some network as a service models that, that also have the potential to think of the way that we engineer the WAN, um, from, from an underlay kind of perspective, just as, as radically, um, how, how do you see uh, network as a service changing maybe the, the way that we think of the WAN, uh, from, from a corporate connectivity standpoint? Yeah, that's, a. Uh... That's a great. That's a great question. Greg. I know that's a big question, but we <laughs> we can chew it up into bite size uh, if needed. So. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's a great question. I mean, I think you know the, the way I think about the WAN today is in. I think about it in in kind of you know two modalities, and that's you know there's you know on the underlay of the WAN. You know, it, it's kind of who cares what it is, right? Because that's we've right. come so far with software, does it actually matter? If it's MPLS or if mm-hmm. it's a dedicated internet circuit or if it's uh, a private transport over fiber, um, you know, my opinion on that is that it doesn't really matter, right? Because the mm-hmm. software takes care of everything that those underlay networks didn't previously, right? right? So I think that's one, one interesting thing you got to consider. And I'm sure you probably know this really well, but the MPLS market is what 30, 40 billion. And, you know, the, the SD WAN yeah. market doesn't really make a dent in that yet. And, um, that is, that uh, is I, correct. And, and you can <laughs> see that in my, my WAN market sizing reports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got yeah, myself yeah. a plug there since you did it for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things. And, you know, look, while I think there's been reports from, you know, numerous analyst research firms, I, I, I haven't, remembered what telegeography said about it, but, mm-hmm. you know, the, M- the MPLS market's not really eroding that fast, right? No, Which it's is- not. It's, it's declining, but it's not going anywhere for, for a while. It, I mean, one, it takes time for these things to happen. And, and two, there, there's a lot of enterprises that we talk to that say, yeah, we've adopted SD-WAN. We're going to keep MPLS at a bunch of sites, maybe lower their, their port sizes because it is a little bit more expensive or whatever, but it's not, it's not disappearing very rapidly. Right, right. And you can throw the SD-WAN on top of it, right? And it's, you know, you still right. you still have that performance benefit. I mean, you know, an MPLS mark, uh, uh, network in, in some ways or some locations may perform a little bit better than a DIA uh, uh, network or an internet network, even though at the end of the day, you know, the fiber is the fiber is the fiber, right? Right. Right. Well, but your upstream provider uh, matters a lot in that sense. And an MPLS ostensibly, at the most, you have maybe an NNI in place or whatever, but... 
if you're if you're getting DIA from from some ISPs, there there might be a, a lot of handoffs before your traffic gets to where it's going, right? So absolutely, and you know, depending on the provider, the architecture is different, right? You have might you might get a one provider that's got you know dedicated dedicated you know pretty large carrier grade great equipment that's you know mm-hmm. specifically for the MPLS network, and you might have another carrier that's you know got it has it converged, and you might have another one that's got that edge equipment dedicated for IP, and then it hands it off. So it's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of working parts and you know in in the network uh, architecture that definitely can make a difference. Yeah, that I think that's that's really interesting and and kind of what I was going for in this question, and maybe you could address that um, if I can make it make enough sense. Is 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 there a sense in which this kind of uh, these these changes lead to almost kind of an erosion of of what the WAN actually is? That those demarcation lines kind of s- start to disappear, sort of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good point, Greg. And thanks for clarifying that. Um, yeah, I think, look, uh, you know, I think we are moving towards a point where the delineation of WAN, LAN and, and all of this does, you know, in a way become ubiquitous, right? And, it's, you know, it's just a big network. It's an edge network. It's a core network. Um, and, you know, a lot of this will just come down to policy and, you know, how it's actually right. managed by the organization. Um, and, you know, maybe there is a point when, you know, this whole WAN concept actually goes away i mean you know you probably know this as well i mean there's still a bunch of sonnet out there which is really you know which is really interesting to me and i know you know a lot of the reasons why people were using sonnets um you know maybe a little bit over a decade ago and actually preferring it you know based on performance and cost and things like that but um, Mm. i think we will you know we will eventually see you know you know the delineation between WAN and LAN and things like that kind of flow away, and everything will be about policy and whether it's an edge or core or you know inner edge, outer edge, and you know we'll we'll see some of this networking take uh, take up some new terminology and uh, architecture delineation. Yeah, yeah, it's the way I like to think about it is that you know sort of when when you had an SLA on an MPLS network, the point was about the performance of the network. Most enterprises aren't really concerned about the performance of the network. They're now they're concerned about the performance of a particular app, right? And and that's um, you know obviously layers one through three has has an, an important uh, role to play in that, but but there's a lot more on top of it, right? You know, so, right? Yeah. I, the, the next thing I, I wanted to hit um, is kind of uh, you know multi cloud connectivity, um, which is is really at the core, I think, of, of all of these changes, right? Obviously, one of the big moves that the enterprise has been making is towards the, the local internet breakouts because they're using all of these, uh, you know, SaaS apps that, that were born on the internet that, that work well over best efforts internet. Um, uh, and, and we see it in our, our data in the WAN Manager survey, um, you know, the vast majority of enterprises have more than one infrastructure as a service provider. They have dozens or, or hundreds of, of SaaS providers, um, and and most of them have their data centers off premises. Maybe you keep a few things, you know, sort of on premise, but um, but most data is sitting sitting elsewhere now. Um, so, at, point being, everybody's dealing with with multi cloud in some uh, shape or form. Um, from from your kind of view, how how has the need to connect to multiple uh, cloud service providers changed the way that uh, you know a multinational enterprise has to think about WAN connectivity in general? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Another um, big question. I'm sorry yeah. I leave these big ones on you. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Multi-cloud is a hot topic. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting uh, area and there's a lot of interesting approaches to it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if we talk specifically about the network, obviously, which, you know, which we're doing, um, you know, as the business um, begins to use more cloud infrastructure, IaaS, PaaS, as well as cloud applications, SaaS, and, and all that, um, mm-hmm. you know, the need for multi-cloud, private, private multi-cloud connectivity becomes, you know, a little bit more apparent, right? And right. Uh, depending on whether it's coming from on-prem or even remote workers these days, right? I mean, yeah, it's less, yeah, yeah. As, as we move to a hybrid environment, you know, the bigger question becomes, how do you ensure that performance of these applications, um, you know, is up to standard for your remote workers? Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's another big thing. Um, but look, the, the need is there, you know, private connectivity, whether it's, you know, a dedicated, um, you know, Ethernet transport circuit in a data center or from an office, whether it's an SD-WAN service, um, whatever it may be, right, running over some kind of overlay, or even if it's a dedicated connection, right, because if you look at what a lot of these cloud providers are offering now, uh, they're up to offering dedicated 100 gigabit connections inside the data center, right? And that's right. You know, a select right. group, but um, yeah, I mean, look the, the the way I think, and I think this has been occurring for years. But the way that you know, WAN managers and traditional you know multinational global enterprises need to think about WAN connectivity has been changing, and it's going to continue to change. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's you know no longer about just connecting branch offices to data centers and data centers to you know HQs and you know. Right. Start, you know, leaking in a little bit of the cloud infrastructure, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's totally changing. And, you know, the way I like to think about it is that WAN managers really need to start thinking about the outcomes, right? Because it doesn't matter if it's, like we said before, it doesn't matter if it's MPLS, if it's DIA, you've got that overlay and you've got an outcome, you know, that's uh, in your line of sight that you need to get to. So it's maybe kind of think about what, what apps you have, um, who's running them, where they are, how, how would you advise someone then to think about what those various options are then for that sort of multi-cloud connectivity, whether it's, you know, whether it's the sort of, um, you know, we, we call them transport kind of providers, uh, which, you know, the likes of Packet Fabric Megaport, or whether you go with Express Route, Direct Connect kind of thing. H- how do you weigh those various options? Because there's seems like there's a lot of models emerging to choose from and it, it can be confusing I, I reckon for folks trying to sort of figure out which one is best for them yeah absolutely look I mean I think it starts with you know taking inventory of of the applications that your organization is using um, mm-hmm. you know do they have and do they have an on-ramp no, to that mm. to their own infrastructure that is actually publicly available. A lot of these companies don't have them yet. I imagine we'll see more smaller SaaS-based cloud companies, uh, you know, develop the need for on-ramps. You know, I think the you know you have a grouping of cloud infrastructure companies. I think they're kind of calling themselves the alternative clouds, like Linode and DigitalOcean. Um, mm. They also don't really have these direct connect. Uh, products or on-ramps yet. So there's still a lot to come, right? It's really early in in all this, but, you know, take the inventory, understand where, you know, these apps actually live, right? Because you might be using a cloud cloud app, like Salesforce is a good example. They've only got a few on-ramps. So, I mean, if you're in, you know, if you're in Texas, what, 
and, and they don't have an on-ramp in Texas, but they have one in Ashburn, Virginia, and they have one in San Jose or, you know, Silicon Valley. Um, which one do you use? Do you use both? And, you know, then really kind of understanding, you know, what type of performance and, you know, what type of cost that you're able to absorb and, and, and deal with. Um, and that will kind of lead you to, well, do you need dedicated connectivity? Do you need to go through a uh, platform provider like a Megaport or Packet Fabric? Uh, do you have um, an edge gateway in a data center with your own network equipment, which really changed things? Because mm-hmm. that's another mm-hmm. thing we're seeing with a lot of enterprises. You know, they're really putting these distributed edge networks out there now, right? That are connecting right. to the cloud as well as connecting back to their HQ and branch office, obviously, depending on the size. So, you know, like, like I said, to kind of step back to the beginning, you know, understand, you know, the apps you need to connect to, who's got the on-ramps, uh, where they are. And, you know, the type of costs that you're, you know, are able to deal with, what your budget is, uh, what kind of performance you're looking for. And then you can really make that decision on, you know, where you actually put them and what kind of provider you use. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I, it's a really interesting way to put it. I like uh, that that's, uh, example, Salesforce, one, because everybody uses Salesforce. And, yes. and two, because yeah. we, we usually set it up as kind of um, the, the, the way that we think about it is, is always colored by the data that we have, which, which is on, you know, the big three to five kind of uh, cloud service providers and where their on ramps are. Um, but, you know, your SaaS providers have a different uh, geographic footprint than, than AWS or Azure or whatever in, in many cases, right? So, and there's so many more of them than there are of, of the, uh, you know, uh, the, the real like CSPs, like your pass and, and I asked and that sort of thing. So yeah. um, that, I, that, that's got to be a complicated conversation, but anything where you sit down with a map and, and start pointing at things that that's near and dear to our hearts here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And look, Greg, you guys have a great map and I'll give you, I'll give you a nice plug because a uh, cloud infrastructure map, I think that's it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you guys did a great job on it. And it's super, super useful, especially in the time you. of, yeah. you know, what web managers need to kind of figure out, which is, you know, exactly what we're talking about. Um, and, you know, just to go back on one of these Salesforce, even, even folks like Oracle, you know, or even like Alibaba Cloud, they don't have a lot of on-ramps in the U.S. So, right. you know, something like Cloud Infrastructure Map can really help, you know, an enterprise organization or, or WAN manager, any type of organization really understand, you know, the... Um, the cloud landscape and the geography of you know where the cloud lives and and where you can access it from, right? And it, and it's it's one of those give and take things that um, that there's so many good things about these emerging models uh, from the enterprise perspective. One obvious one is is cost, right? Um, internet is by and large uh, cheaper or to to radically cheaper depending on uh, where you are in the situation. But there is a sense in which it used to be that a lot of these things we're talking about were just your MPLS provider's problem. And you didn't even, as a WAN manager, necessarily need to think about it. You need to think about your on-prem data centers and, and that kind of hub and spoke. And you needed to think about bandwidth that you needed. But it, it wasn't, uh, in, in some respects, this complicated um, do, do you see space for, for in the industry for, for folks trying to do more to remove that level of complexity that maybe wasn't there as much in the MPLS world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about this and why I'm laughing is because, you know, I was talking to someone recently and I, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about that, you know, with all of this simplification, and these overlays and, you know, the new delineation between edge and, 
and core and all this. And right. is that networking has gotten more complex. Right. Yeah. Simpl- so, simplify uh, to more complexity. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing, right? It's say, okay, well, yeah, great. We're going to replace the complexity of MPLS with the complexity of network as a service, SD-WAN, SASE, edge networking, right. and all those other cool new things. That exactly. Are yeah. Yeah, well, and, and there again, exactly, it's not just the complexity of thinking through it from sort of a network topology standpoint, but the complexity of, uh, you know, vendors um, that you might have to manage uh, or channel partnerships that you have to consider. Maybe before I would, you know, be concerned with with uh, who my MPLS providers NNIs were, were with in a, in a country where they didn't have a pop or something like that, but not, not, not nearly as, as much as I might have to think about, uh, you know, does my SD-WAN provider have the, the right um, channel partnerships for, you know, security or whatever the case may be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we were, Doing our email exchange um, uh, leading up to this episode, you used a phrase that I thought um, was kind of fun and actually uh, very useful in thinking about the sort of um, uh, breadth of of this issue. You called it the uh, uh, network as a service slash multi-cloud slash interconnection entanglement. And I'm just, (laughs) um, since I like that phrase, I'm wondering if you can unpack that a bit um, and uh, and kind of um, maybe give us your view of of where that all ends up over the next couple few years. Yeah, sure. So so look, you know, we've we've went from um, you know legacy networking, right, which we talked about a little bit, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of is you know okay, we've got your cross connects, and then you've got your internet exchanges, you know, and then you've got these network as a service platforms, which you know. Also, you know, kind of at the beginning, we're called interconnection platforms at the beginning, which kind of, you know, like, you know, whether it's connecting to a cloud, whether it's connecting to someone else in the ecosystem, whether it's connecting to another data center, you know, and these things were also called kind of cloud exchanges by a few people uh, Mm -hmm. in the early days and still are by some, Um, you know, and this kind of evolved over time and, you know, started to become more mature. And then you've got network as a service really proliferating. You've got the multi-cloud connectivity. You've got cloud routing, which is a whole different story, right? With with layer three routing between clouds um, and the whole interconnection story, which continues to evolve. Um, and, you know, understanding, you know, where we came from uh, to really figure out where we're going is, you know, mm-hmm. I think critical. Um, but I think the one thing that you need to always keep in mind is cloud is what dominates the world right now. Right. right. And it's going right. to be, you know, and it's going to be even a bigger part of our world, um, you know, in 10 years. And it's kind of scary to think about what's going to, where are we going to be in 10, 15, 20 even years, yeah. right? If we're at this uh, at this point where you know cloud infrastructure is, um, you know, the market is where it is today, and it's actually, you know, um, you know, I think it's in the multi billions, right? As far as the big cloud providers and all that mm-hmm. go, or hundreds of billions. Um, uh, you know, we'll have to fact check me on that, Greg. You're, you're the numbers guy, right. but, uh, <laughs> but I yeah. mean, you know, you hear people like Microsoft talk about, you know, the total IT spend market is like three point something trillion. So if yeah, you think that about plausible. that, yeah. yeah, right, and you think about, well, some people say it doesn't make sense, but if you actually think about it, it's you know, any piece of hardware out there, 
could be unbundled and delivered as software. So, you know, who knows what we're going to see in the future, you know? Yeah, might- that's a good point. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, and that's been the trend, right? Is that um, sort of the, the dumbest possible, most ubiquitous hardware with everything just being layered on top of that on software rather than having different hardware for all kinds of tasks, right? So Yeah, absolutely. So I look, I think what we're going to see is I think we'll see, you know, multi-tenant data centers become more intelligent, embrace software, more right offer more services to align um you know their customers needs with the public cloud and the services they're offering inside the data center right Mm -hmm. offering more services to let customers discover what's inside the data center Uh, this is one of the big things i love talking about because it's it's like one of the things that's been looked over so much, you know, where you used to go out to a data center and you go in there and get a carrier list on a PDF. You have no idea what they offer right. um, you know, right. other than just they're, they're a network carrier, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're going to move and, you know, it's starting to happen. Whereas, you know, you know provide that search and discover functionality. Uh, in your data center, like they do in the cloud, you know, you ever go to the AWS right. marketplace or the, the Azure marketplace, and there's tons of different virtual appliances and services that you can go procure, and that's the way we're going to see it in the data center, yeah, um, both portals and and from the sort of API perspective, where you can do some of your own spin ups, and that's sort of not just an ordering situation, right? So. Absolutely, right. Becoming more agile, and you know, organizations are going to be using data lot more right that's going to continue to grow um and so we need to continue to adapt as as data centers um you know to to live in in the cloud world that you know we're in cloud and mobile first world you know yeah you uh, that, that, that's really interesting and i like the the framing of, of way to answer that question uh one one thing that comes to mind uh, <laughs> kind of as an aside is that thinking 20 years from now uh if uh if starlink and, and kuiper continue their sort of battle to get um you know tens of thousands of birds in the sky maybe the the, the network disappears anyway right? <laughs> so, um we'll see we'll see the jury is still out on that but i wanted to circle back on something you said just to to make sure that i got it and, and picked up sort of um the 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 ramifications of that. I, you mentioned sort of layer connectivity um, sort of between clouds, uh, layer three connectivity between clouds. So, so there you're talking about how the the, the different um, sort of uh, cloud nodes are connected to each other. Was that, was that your point there? Um, so, so, so yeah. So as an organization, um, you know, deploying a multi-cloud architecture, how do you control and manage and design that network between them? If you're using Microsoft and Google, how does right. that work? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's another big area. And if you think about it, networking is always the last to kind of, you know, evolve or, or, you know, be innovated around. It's, it's right? reacting to the, the, the changes that happen everywhere else. Right. So. Right. Which is, which is always interesting to me, but you know, a great way to think, I, I like to say is, you know, a great way to think of network is that, you know, the network is becoming an application. Just right. like the rest of the infrastructure, right? And, you know, it's going to be controlled by software and, you know, maneuvered and, you know, shifted around and, and all that. But, you know, these now, these platforms are now having solutions called cloud routers and things like that that help you route that traffic between clouds as mm-hmm. well as your infrastructure, you know, in a hybrid environment that lives in a data center. Right, right. So it's not just about connecting to your various CSPs, but it's about um, all managing all of that situation from a pulled back kind of perspective of, of how does all where you know how do all of my traffic 
um, interact and, and get to all of the proper locations to and from. And that and that's the other problem, right? Is that it's not just uh, the, all, all of this is, is multi-directional, whereas, you know, we're still coming out of that world where there was the central corporate data center with, with the sort of client server model. And, and that just doesn't apply to very much anymore at all. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, that's, you know, the, the opportunity for that market or, or that technology at least is, you know, it's, it's immense, right? Because, Think about if you were born in the cloud and you don't know what a data center is or you don't even have offices because mm-hmm. let's say you were born in like, you know, in the last couple of years where you've got a lot of remote first, 100% remote right. companies born right. in the cloud, right? You don't know this traditional infrastructure. So you almost need this kind of SD-WAN platform between the clouds, right? Mm-hmm. How do you manage performance between Google Cloud and AWS or between Microsoft and Oracle? Right. There's a, there's so much room for innovation uh, that I think we're going to see. There's a lot of interesting companies coming out. But, you know, the other part of that is also, you know, a lot of these companies will be coming out of the cloud because like we've seen with some of the giants, uh, giant SaaS platforms uh, that have started in the cloud. You know, they their business got so big where it made more sense to come out. You know, Dropbox is a great example of that mm-hmm. that started mm-hmm. in the cloud and then eventually you have to build, you know, a lot of their own uh, data center environments, you know, and I think they've talked about it on the blog and things like that. And so right. it's I mean, I think the world's just getting super interesting. You know, you mentioned satellites, you know, there's there's that whole angle. I mean, you know, ten years ago, could you ever think that we were gonna have ground stations connected? To cloud yeah. data centers, you know, and, and yeah, all I mean, this kind of satellite was a connectivity option of absolute last resort, right? So, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now it's just like this: you connectivity is ubiquitous everywhere, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. you want to go to space and go to a different rural area across the world to get, you know, I mean, whatever it is, it's. Uh, I think it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll have to say to any entrepreneurs listening out there, you have to give uh, Christian credit if, if you come up with a solution for some of these problems. <laughs> so, Christian, this, this was uh, excellent, an excellent conversation. Thank you so much for uh, helping shed some light on that. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Uh, like I said, super happy to be here. Uh, love the Telegeography crew and um, you know, I'm glad we could finally uh, get this scheduled and make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, uh, j- just as you were sort of just saying, this isn't going to uh, to stop developing. So I think there's um, there's going to be lots to talk about in the future. So we should definitely do this again. <laughs> so. Absolutely. We're barely getting started. So we'll have to revisit some of the innovations uh, in, in a little bit of time. So um, as, as everybody who listens often knows, I always love to close things out, Christian, with a sort of a more kind of fun question. And on that one, um, uh, the last few episodes, a lot of the folks that I've been talking to, myself included, have been, have been vaccinated now. And, and it seems like the world is beginning to return to something like it was uh, previously. So I was just wondering uh, what you're most looking forward to um, once uh, you're all set there and, and ready to, uh, to, to do normal things again. Oh yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, I've, uh, you know, we've started to go out a little bit more, uh, here in New York. It's kind of feels like it's just back normal, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to pick one thing that's, uh, that's going to be going to PTC in January and getting to see 
all of uh, all of my friends and colleagues in the industry and you know talk about what everybody's been up to the products they've been building the business they've been building you know uh, and, and the future that's that's coming I mean that's PTCs and, and the best thing of all is I get that's when I get to have a conversation with your colleague uh, uh, John uh, every for the last few <laughs> years right. which is which is always a highlight catching up. But yeah, I mean, it's a, that's probably it, you know, is getting back to a good industry conference. And I think PTC is going to be the one. I think it's for me, it's a little bit too early for, you know, getting into any other ones. And sure. I'll, I'll save the energy for the best one there is. Well, I'm just guessing that uh, being in Honolulu has something to do with that, right? <laughs> it might have a little bit, you know, it might maybe a little bit. There's no, you know, you're not in suits going up in elevators like you are yeah. at ITW or anything like that. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, definitely a good place to have. Un- unfortunately, PTC is not really my beat at telegeography. So I've only been once, but I did get to go surfing at Waikiki, which was kind of like a lifelong dream. So that was really there, cool. There you go. That, that's a great yeah. experience. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I will uh, tell John that um, you're looking forward to talking to him at PTC for sure. So, Awesome. It was great talking, Greg. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. And we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN Forum. What is a WAN Forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from Telegeography related to the WAN. Uh, plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to WANforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN forum events very soon. So you want to make sure you bookmark that. That's WANforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.